Wow. Don't you love hearing what God's doing in people's lives? It's awesome. Thank you to everyone that shared and allowed us in to your world. That's incredible hard thing to do, isn't it? To be vulnerable in front of your fellow brothers and sisters. But the more we are, the more God's drawn to vulnerability. The more you and I take off our masks, the more he's drawn. And what it does, it empowers others to take off their mask. Because ultimately, we're all just waiting for one person to take off a mask, aren't we? Who's going to be the first one to take off the mask? When someone does, it enables us to. And so think about that, because I believe God would say to us, be the first to take off your mask. You're in a discipleship group. Take off your mask. Allow others to see the real you. I heard you ladies heard a little bit about Danny and I's real marriage. (laughs) So she took off a mask, you know, because there's realities or perspectives that, man, if, if you have a title, you've somehow made it and you're untouchable. I don't know where it comes from, but it needs to die because you create or put people on pedestals and when they fall off, you fall with them. And we're never created to put people on pedestals. But we do because we look for kings. We look for leaders. That's why Jesus said, I don't want you to have a king, but we want one. Because we want to look as an example. Well, you've got an example. He's called me. He's called Jesus Christ. I don't know there's a greater example on the planet than Jesus. But somehow we still need our kings and we need our leaders and we need to put people up on pedestals. And Sometimes then we just take them down as well. We chop them when they don't match up or perform to the standard that we've somehow created. And they can't be real. So I... As Danny and I unpacked what she was going to talk about, I just said, just be real. Be real. Our identity is in Him, which means we can be real. Because I know when we're real, it enables other people to be real. And there is no hierarchy here. There is functioning gifts, but there's no hierarchy. There's no man-made hierarchy. There's just Him. And um, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday. Want to meet up with me? And you know, I'm, I'm fascinated what God's doing and how He's just drawing people back to Himself. I believe more and more people are starting to realize that maybe my life is built on Him and His name, but the reality of that actually being in me isn't necessarily a reality. And I know what He's been doing here. And you know, we've used words that maybe have offended or. People have said, oh, I can't find that word in the Bible. Well, not everything God's going to do is written in this thing, you know. He did miracles that aren't written down in this book. The Bible says if he wrote everything down in here, it'd be a library we'd have to work through. So I use the word dismantling, and that's what he has been doing. You just heard dismantling just before, yeah? So renewing of the mind, whatever you want to call it, 
things that have been built in his image, not of him, but in our image, and he's taken them apart. He's the great Lego builder. <laughs> no, it didn't quite look like that according to the pattern I gave you, so I need to take it down and then work with you to put it back up. And um, I just want to continue, and I hope I do continue, ladies, So, in what you've been hearing. And I just want to talk about love and submission, submission and love. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. We try to. And that's why we can be lopsided. So we're submitting, but we don't know love. Or we're all in a love, but we're not submitting. Love and submission, submission and love go hand in hand. They are made for one another. You can't have them apart. And Jesus demonstrated love and submission to his Father, submission and love to his Father. He demonstrates love to us. And when you just stop and think about it, love and submission flow through every relationship, or they are to. And love and submission influence every relationship. So love and submission influences firstly my relationship with him and his relationship with me. Actually, let's take a step beyond that. I just mentioned it. It influenced his relationship with his father. So he's always demonstrating something. His father loved him. He surrendered to his father's will. He also loved his father because of his father's love within him. So there's the pattern. Because let's be honest, I can't surrender to God and really any human being out of my own human love. I will fight, scrap, to stay in control and to get my way. So my, con my human love is conditional and it's based upon certain conditions being met. And when those conditions aren't met... I'll either walk away, get upset, fight, kill what's in front of me to continue to get my way. I'm like a child. I want ice cream, Dad. Now, you've had ice cream, but I always want to eat ice cream. And if I don't get ice cream when Dad's trying to get vegetables, then I pack a sad and I give up and I walk away. So I can't surrender and I can't submit to the Father out of my conditional love. Sorry, my uncon uh, yeah, conditional love. And so God empowers us to be able to do this. And so then you have this me and him. And so he loves me. He loves me unconditionally. And through the receiving of that unconditional love, not a mental understanding of the Greek, a receiving of it in power and life, not in my mind, in my heart. I hear a living word, it then comes because my heart has been humbled or broken and I receive the substance of love into my heart and I've turned now. It's grabbed my attention and this way I was going, I'm turning what do I need to do, Lord? You need to repent, Greg. You need to turn 
from where you were going and the life you were living and turn, let go of that and turn unto me and submit and surrender your will to mine. Why? Because you've now received my love. And that becomes, I'm not saying it's fully just, oh yeah, but it becomes an, an innate response. There is a deposit of his love now within you which enables the turning and the submission. And he promises me, here's the contract, I will always love you. I will love you when you mess up. I will love you when you don't meet the standard. When your performance and your actions fall short of my love, guess what I'm going to do, Greg? I'm going to continue to love. I'm going to continue to love. I'm going to love you into submission. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. He's going to love me till there's no more of me. And he says, Greg, will you surrender to my ways and my thinking and my life? Because if you lose your life, you're going to find my life. And my life trumps your life a trillion times over. So then I'm in this environment with him. Then I enter into this thing called marriage where the same two attributes are at work. Love and submission define my marriage. It'll define whether it's a healthy marriage or an unhealthy one. You see, what my relationship with Jesus, and, and it, what it does, it defines my oneness with him. We are to be a people of one in spirit. Yes? So what my intimate relationship with Christ does is define my intimacy with him. Whether I'm one with him in thinking, heartbeats, action, language, the demonstration. Am I in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, in oneness with Christ? Because that was his prayer for us as a body and as individuals, wasn't it? I pray that they would be one as we are one. I thought I was one because you're in me. Well, that's the starting block of something far more profound of oneness. So that's the seed that I drop into you so that seed can become a tree that's planted by a river. See, the maturity process is massive, but we claim stuff that we're actually not even demonstrating. And we stay in that position. I'm talking macro body. When we're to come into the reality of a oneness in the spirit, where I'm so in tune, my thinking is his thinking. My words are his words. My praise will always be on my lips. It's not just a nice song. It's my reality. I wake up and he's the first thing on my, in my heart and my mind. Not the last because I've got to get the kids up to have breakfast, to make lunches, to get them to school, and life is just so busy. Yes, it is busy. It is. My household is busy. 
not denying that it's not full on. But we can live from another realm within us that defines that busyness, can't we? And it's found in actually our love and submission to the, the Christ. So that influences that. Then it influences whether my marriage is going to be a marriage that's one or not. And like you just heard, you can have two people together and they're not one at all. They're two individuals living individuals' lives contained within a marriage covenant. And they survive. Anybody here want to survive? You know, some people go, well, I've been married 45 years as Christians. I go, really? What's that 45 years actually been like? Have you survived one another for 45 years? Or do you have 45 years of oneness in Christ? Just saying. Numbers mean nothing in Him. It's the reality that mean everything. And so what does my oneness with my wife actually look like in Him? And you heard a bit of that over the weekend, I believe. And the battle for true oneness. God is incredibly smart. He puts two people together that are equal but are different. He creates this thing called a covenant which isn't to be broken and says, this will be a bit of fun. Let's put them together and let's see what happens. (laughs) Let's see if through their own submission to me first, they can do it. Yeah, they're not doing too well, those guys. No, no, no. Oh, gee, that's a bit ugly. Ooh, that's a bit harsh. I wonder if you really meant that. Oh, there she goes. She's turning him again. Look at that. She's working it. That girl's working it, eh? Yeah. I'll give her 10 for effort. But there's a dimension of the Spirit that God wants us to come in through. Is I love Daniel because I'm in love with him. See, if I'm not in love with him, I can't love her. I'm loving her in my human love and that will always fall short because when her behavior doesn't meet my human love, collision. So, There must be someone greater in me because I know him who comes out when her behavior doesn't match the standard that I think it should match. Something greater in me comes out. Why? Because I'm submitted and have received the love of him. And he's going to work on my heart and my mind so then I'm able to demonstrate a love that's not determined by my wife's actions. It's based on my love for him. Let me give you an example of that with Jesus in the garden. So Jesus in the garden. Judas turns up and he's got the soldiers with him, the Roman and the Pharisee soldiers, and they've come to arrest Jesus. Pretty intense situation in the garden. Jesus is going to be killed. They know that. Judas has betrayed him. Jesus knows he's been betrayed. 
and it's pretty tense. And Peter's there, as you know, he's got a sword. He's like, I'm just waiting, <laughs> waiting for the opportunity to use this baby, man. Oh, here it is. There's my chance. <laughs> Off with the guy's ear as quick as a flash. Imagine being Jesus. Well, 10 for effort. What are you doing? That's not love. I don't come to kill, I come to save. What are you, what are you doing? Well, he was coming to grab you and, and there's Judas and they were going to arrest you. He goes, yeah. And? And what? Well, this was part of the story and there's love in me and I'm going to demonstrate something which is going to blow everyone in that garden away. What does he do? He says, here's an object lesson. Everyone watch. Clean cut. Good work, God. Stands back. That's love. Hey, Peter, that's what love looks like. It demands another response. It demonstrates another response. When what's coming at love isn't love. Do you know you and I have been called and chosen to love like that? And guys, we have been given a higher order. Now someone said to me, that's not fear. I didn't have a choice in that. I said, no, neither did I. But there are benefits to being a guy, especially when you go to Cambodia and the toilets are disgusting. <laughs> so there's a benefit. <laughs> but I didn't choose it, but I've got to get on with it because I am a male and we're equal, but there's different functioning roles. I just want to say this, so no one walks away going, oh, gee, we believe in leader, women in leadership here. Yeah? Absolute believe it. So if you heard something different and any of it was said, it might have just been me. I thought, oh, I hope anyone didn't hear that we're not about women leading and fulfilling the call on their life. Okay? I just want to make that real clear. Submitted and surrendered to him like any man is. There are counterfeit versions of that. There are counterfeit versions of love and there's counterfeit versions of submission. And the enemy's role is to lead you and I into those counterfeit versions. And so if you're in one and God's trying to lead you out of one, the enemy's role is to try and lead you into another one. There's a raging battle in the spirit that goes on. And ultimately this position of oneness through love and submission is what the enemy's after because a community of people that are in what I'm talking about nothing gets in their way no jealousy, bitterness negative thinking hear me it's a process but this is a community that just overpower the gates of darkness why? Because they're one with him. 
So you've got this one-on-one with me and him. You've got this one-on-one with my wife and him. And we know from Ephesians, and we've looked at that, the model and the pattern, but it's a great mystery. So I'm not really talking about physical union, although I apply the principles, but I'm talking about something far greater. But there is a oneness of spirit that is being formed through love and submission in my marriage with my wife. And God is saying, Greg, you're the one who's to lead that. So Greg, as I love you and as you surrender to me, you're to enable that love to come out of you because it's being formed in you. And if you do some, your wife will align herself, because really that's what that word means. She will align herself to you and you'll become beautifully one in spirit with your wife. This is where true discipleship starts if you're married. See, Too many leaders like me take off to go around the planet and leave their wife and their children behind and their families are dysfunctional because they've got a wrong understanding of what it means when Jesus said, I will build my church. Man, how stupid is this? Right on my doorstep are physical people and I don't even know people in Cambodia, but I'm going to go there first before I address this. Not the way I do it. Start from the inner core and move out. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? We do it in everything else in life. And if you want to get fit, you can pump iron as much as you want. If you don't change your diet, sure, you'll build muscle underneath the fat, but you won't see any muscle. The inner realm, the inner realm, the inner realm. If the inner realm is not healthy, the outer realm isn't healthy. So he's got to start. And what's the inner realm? That. Love me with all your heart. So true oneness through love and submission, starts in my one-on-one. Then it goes into my marriage. As, hear me, it's a work in progress. Okay, We're on a work in progress. <laughs> it's a war zone at times. <laughs> put your dukes up, put your hair where it's on. It's called wrestling. You know, the Bible says it's the violent who take the kingdom of God by storm. What does that mean in the spirit? It's not passive people. It's not people who wait for it to happen. It's people who pursue. It was never, he, what did he say? Come follow me, didn't he? He didn't say, hang around here for a bit and I'll be back. <laughs> no, he said, come follow me. So it's a moving towards the reality that he shares. Then it's about bringing that oneness into your family with your children. How many people know that you need love of the Father in you if you're going to love your children? Because they don't match up to the standards that we have, do we? I mean, we don't match up to his standards, but somehow we forget about that. And we expect something that we're maybe not modeling, but I'm dad, so shut up. Do as I say, not what I do. There's a great leadership example, isn't it? <clears throat> what are they going to do? What dad says. 
I hear that sometimes coming out of them. <laughs> so I've got oneness. I'm on a journey of true oneness with Him of the Spirit. Then into my marriage. Then into my family. Then there's this thing called 12 or 8 or 6 called a discipleship group where God wants what He started in me and Him in that environment as well. But you only get that if everyone else decides they want that as well. Or you have it with the people that decide they want it. So if you're in a group of 12 but only two actually decide that's what they want, then you can have oneness with that one person, but you don't really have it with the other 11. Because the other 11 haven't made a decision that they really want it. But it's fully possible for the whole 12 to be in it because that's the plan. That is the plan of God. That is the invitation. So then it comes about, well, do we want His purposes and His plans? Do we actually want to have oneness with people that we may not even know from a physical reality, but in time we get to know them physically, but I've got oneness with them the day they walk in because they made a commitment 12 months ago that they wanted oneness as well. And I don't have a clue who their name is, but they speak and I'm one with them. See, it's a higher order. But how does it come? Through love and submission. Through submission and love. You see, it's one thing for Danielle to submit to me as her husband. It's one thing for me to love her. What about that happening with my 12? What about happens when someone says something I don't like in my discipleship group? Does the sword come out? Oh, that felt good, didn't it? Hey? Oh, I put them right in their place with the truth. Oh, feel great. Slam, kick, touch them, slam the door in your name, Jesus. Come on, we've all done it. It's called getting your pound of flesh. I want my pound of flesh. My flesh demands justice. I didn't do nothing wrong, and yet they came and said A, B, C. Yep, and that's what they did to him. Is there a love in you through your own love and submission to him that's able to demonstrate another realm because love demands another response? See, if you're not a person of submission to him, that is impossible for you to model. All things are possible in Christ, but you won't be able to model that. I won't be able to model that if I'm not, in fact, in Christ. Abide in Christ because Christ abides in you. Christ abides in us. The question's never that. The question is, am I abiding in Christ? Because once again, love and submission go hand in hand. Abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in you go hand in hand for a position of one or two. It's one position. What's it about? Oneness in spirit through being in him and him in me. So then I'm able to demonstrate the fruit of that spirit, which starts with what? See, we were born, chosen, called for an upward call, not an earthly one. Too many followers of Jesus walk around like this. 
well, I've got problems. My marriage sucks. She's not submitting to me. In fact, she's going the other way. The kids don't do what I want to do. Then there's work. Then there's sport. How's the bills going to pay? And my whole focus and attention is on the earth. And it's all earthly anchored and earthly based. And it leads you to a point of death because there's no life really in the earth looking at all that stuff. That's why the Bible says, lift up your chin, set your minds on the things above where Christ is seated in heavenly places because your life has been hidden in Christ. But that's a reality to be here right now. That's not a future reality. That's a now reality. Why? Because I am in love and submission to the Father. See, the Father longs to reveal his plans, his ways, his truth, Jesus Christ, in us, doesn't he? And what's the process? Surrender. So if we're not going to surrender to him, guess what you don't receive? Him, to a measure that changes you and I. He is the truth. He is love. So it's really confusing because we say this, but I've got Jesus living in me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. I go, that's all great. Can you demonstrate the reality? Because the Bible says that too. Yeah. <laughs> I go, what are you talking about? That's impossible. No, it's not. It's not. So there's a lie right from the pit of hell right there. So what do we have to do? Take that thought captive. Close your mouth. You just spoke unbelief over your own life. You heard it. Faith comes by hearing. Death comes by hearing. Stop talking death over your own life. It's riddled in unbelief and the Israelites never got into the promised land because of what? Unbelief. Only praise, only the truth. Who defines truth? Not Greg Simnor. He does. So I don't speak my reality if my reality doesn't match that. And I'm not talking about Tony Anthony's latest book on self-improvement. I'm talking about Christ being in you, where by faith and belief you are declaring a realm that you are moving towards from faith. And it's built on love and submission. As I've surrendered more of me, when God showed me what he showed me five years ago, when he showed me, Greg, I build my church, and he showed me how for a portion of me I was building it, the what, how I was operating, what I was doing, I've got a decision to make. I've got a real, real decision to make. Because I know if, if this is how you do it, and I've been doing like this, and I'm the one that's leading this place called The Rock, then there's going to be change that needs to happen. And I don't know if the people really like change, God. So I've got a massive decision to make because I don't know whether I fully like change because I'm quite comfortable where things are at. But Greg, here's the picture. I build the way I build. And at the moment, your thinking, your understanding doesn't align to that. So we've got a bit of a problem. And I'm not submitting. And I'm not surrendering to you. Because this is my church, my plan, my will, my game, not yours. So we can stay here and we can go round and round the mountain for as long as you want because I've got all the time in the world, son. You'll probably be dead by the time I get sick of it. And you won't have come into what you should have. Why? Because you didn't surrender and submit to me. And I still loved you. And I loved you. And I loved you. And 
the reason I was able to stay with you is because love. You see, love stays. Love doesn't run. Where did we get this idea that love, idea that love runs? That's human love. Because human love can't stay when it's pressured. It has to run. But the love of the Father in a person stands and says, well, take me out. Because I'm not living for here. I'm living for something greater than here. And I'm able to stand in front of you and love you unconditionally when you spew on me and spew on me. And my hope, because all I've got is hope because I can't make Mel change, is that through the love and through the love and through the love, it would wear her down and wear her down and wear her down. And as she spews and as she spews and I'm taking this crap and I'm like, man, she had, she had, she had soup for dinner that night. She had friggin' roast. The roast's not bad actually. <laughs> apple crumble. Give her apple crumble. Come on, give us a bit of apple crumble. <laughs> and she spews and spews. I'm standing, I wash it off and I stand there. And love, and she melts in front of love. Blessed are the what? Ones that run away or the persecuted? Because of who? Jesus being within. Because love demands a response that's much higher than human love. And it responds when it's required. But it don't look anything like human love. It looks like Him. And you and I have been given the privilege through love and submission to Him and one another to become what I just said in the demonstration. The only thing that will stop us is us. It's the only thing. We will stop ourselves before the enemy does. Can I say that? We'll use him as a great excuse to not change. And we do. We also use prayer as a great excuse not to change. You know what? The more you know him, I mean really know him, you'll be able to say yes like that a lot quicker. I'm not saying you do not seek the Father. I'm not saying you don't go. But more and more you're so one with him, you know his will. What are you trying to do when you go seek him? You go to seek his will. If you're one with him more and more, you'll know his will because he would have revealed it to you. Isn't that what the Bible says in Romans 12 too? Go and prove what the will of God is because the mind has been renewed to it. It doesn't say, why are we asking for his will when it says if our minds are renewed, you'll go prove it. See, what it's showing us is our lack of intimacy with him, our lack of truly knowing who he is for who he is. That's why our first value here is intimacy. That's what we're going to talk about. So maybe we all could actually come in June as what does it mean? And we've been talking it for five years, mind you. It defines everything. It will define your love and submission. It will define my love and submission. The last environment I'm looking at. Love and submission. Me and him. Me, him, my wife. Me, him, my wife, my children. Me, him, my wife, my children, and my 12. Me, him, my children, my wife, my 12, my 500. You know what he said to me? He said, Greg, do you see true oneness in the body of Christ? Not what man calls it. I'm not talking about conformity. I'm not talking about a man-made statement on a wall that everyone lays their life down for. I'm talking about true spirit-led 
oneness, oneness in Christ. I painted what that looks like. I said, no, Lord. I said, I'm hoping, I want to lay my life down for it, but I don't see it. He said, you know why you don't see it? He says, because it's not in marriages. You want to have a healthy church community, get healthy marriages. Before that, get healthy one-on-one with me. Everything, everything stems from that place. It's natural, isn't it? It'll flow. Just think about it. It will naturally flow. We're families meeting here. So if my wife and my children are on a spiritual journey of true oneness, and you are, guess what? We all turn up together, and we're one. That'll influence, I'll just say it, that'll influence what time we get here. That'll influence whether we're here on early praying for everyone that's coming. That'll influence what we do right now after the service. That'll influence what we're doing throughout the week. That will influence where we spend our time, energy, resource, and finances. That'll influence everything. But we've left everything to follow you. And what did Jesus say to that? Those who have left everything will receive everything. Now and in the future. The church is moving towards an eternal purpose, not a physical, earthly-bound one. Hear me? Our lives are important here for the purpose of receiving that eternal reality through love and submission, having it been revealed into our hearts and minds now so we live from that realm so our lives look completely opposite to those of the world. So... Set your mind on the things above is so you receive them in your heart and mind so then you're able to demonstrate because that revelation, that food source, the life of Christ will be so radiant in you, filled with a love where instead of chopping someone's ear off because you want your pound of flesh because you were unjustly accused, you will actually love like him. Whether or not that person says thank you or doesn't even know it is irrelevant. And that's it. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would impart what has just been said. Father, that that dimension, that reality of you is to be us and can be us as we submit and surrender to love which is you and as we do that more and more it will affect our relationship with you if we're married it will affect our marriages it may even determine whether we want to get married or not in fact it will it'll change the way we see our children the way we parent, our passion for them to know you. It'll change the way we view our discipleship groups, our 12, our 8, our 4, and our wider community and in the body of Christ. Lord, I long to see oneness in every one of those environments, in my own life and in my fellow brothers and sisters, your sons. And so, Lord, I pray, as all I can do, and hope that we will submit and surrender to love and allow it to happen 
so we can be the demonstration of you on this earth until you all call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Um, let's have a great afternoon. Um, I encourage you to really consider Furnace, pray into that.